This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Kobe Campbell, welcome to Viral Jesus. When we are willing to say, this is what happened to me and I'm going to work through it, on the other side, we get to say, yeah, there is a lot of darkness in the world, but I'm not afraid of that darkness anymore. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. How is it the end of August already? (laughs) I have missed you all. I have missed you so much. I didn't go on any vacations this summer, but I did a lot of praying. Those of you who follow me online, we've talked. You already know. I did a lot of praying. I spent a lot of time in reflection, and I don't know that I have all the answers to any of what I prayed over this summer, but I do truly feel like the goodness of God is that in many ways... I don't need them. (laughs) I don't feel like I need them as much. I am being sustained by God at this moment. And I think really through the power of prayer. So I hope that you have had a beautiful summer. I hope that you've spent some time in reflection like I did. I also spent a lot of time, of course, reflecting over this podcast. And as you know, I just so you guys know, I pray for you every single week. By the way, if you aren't subscribed to my newsletter, make sure you go to heatherthompsonday.com and scroll to the bottom and enter your email and click subscribe. To be subscribed to my newsletter, you'll get a thought from me every single Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where I just try to think through my week and what I'm wrestling with or learning from God. And I'm really proud of that little newsletter group that we have. I would love for you to subscribe. So I go into more in depth in that newsletter about you know, kind of the things that I've been learning from God over the summer. And I also pray over that newsletter every single week. But I just want you to know on the podcast, I pray for our listeners. I'm sure the rest of our team does too. But one of the things that came out of just my intentionality over this podcast and what we're doing and what I want to do is that I wanted to have more time kind of for casual conversation touch points every week. I think sometimes the conversations that we do with the guests, they are so, so much knowledge. I mean, we, we get to talk to some of the best 
influencers and content creators and authors. I just, I really believe that in the Christian space. I have been so honored to sit down with people. And so it's heavy and there's a lot of information and there's a lot of meat that happens in every single one of these episodes. And I just thought, you know what? I think the show might be missing a lighter space, a space where we can laugh and just collectively acknowledge maybe something that is viral at that moment online or a pop culture reference or moment, something like that. So we'll still be doing the social toolkits. Don't worry. I will still be having Brady Shearer join us for social toolkits throughout all of season four, because by the way, some of the feedback I got from you was that you love Brady Shearer (laughs) and I love him too. And his tips are so good and I hope are helping make us better communicators online. So some weeks we will have Brady on and we'll do a social toolkit, but other weeks we're going to do a lighter pop culture type segment that I am super excited to introduce you to. If you like it, tell me, you know, you could say something. You could tell me. You could add us on Viral Jesus Pod, or you can just write my personal Instagram, Heather Thompson Day. And of course, if you hate it, I will take that too. You can tell me all the things that you hate online as well. Today, we are going to have a conversation with Kobe Campbell. Kobe Campbell is an award-winning licensed trauma therapist, best-selling author, and a transformative leader. She uses TikTok to create posts that go viral, teaching people real-life applications for her clinical study. Her latest book is called Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Family. Faith. You are going to love Kobe, but do you mind if we have a bit more casual conversation? And I don't know if we make it a safe space. Safe Space is a new segment and I'm so excited about it. I want to do it this season and it is where we discuss something related to social media or pop culture or just something we find really interesting, but in a safe space. Joining me is my best friend and co-blogger on I'm That Wife, Scarlett Longstreet. Scarlett and I, you'll you'll hear it. We are very different. We come from a very different perspective, typically, different faith background, all the stuff. But I think we do a really good job at creating a safe space and friendship for each other, which is what I hope we can also offer you in this segment. Scarlett, um, we're going to talk to Kobe Campbell today on this episode. And so I wanted to talk to you first. She's like a TikTok therapist. I mean, she's a real therapist and she's fantastic, but she also created all this content on TikTok about therapy. And I asked her this in our conversation, but I want to talk about it with you first. What do you think about the oversimplification that we have all, I think, done when it comes to like TikTok therapy. I think it's dangerous, pal. (laughs) No, I I do too. How often are we saying things like I'm being gaslit or (laughs) I mean, what's another one? Oh, I have trauma. I think those two especially get so much. They're thrown around. Toxic. Toxic. Right. Yes. Or a narcissist. Someone's not a toxic narcissist just because they disagree with you. Uh, We're not being gaslit just because we hear something that we don't like. And we don't all have trauma. I saw a post the other day. I don't know if this is going to be offensive, but I saw a post the other day about somebody saying that I think like the vet was fat shaming their dog. Right. Like this is the kind of stuff I think. I also saw somebody like the other day. 
talk about, there's a difference between like feeling left out by my friends, right? And actually being abused by my friends. And I think we're using these words the same. Like I saw my friends out without me. My friends are now abusive. Is that the same thing? And and I worry, I think, with the oversimplification that we've done, and I think it's fantastic that we have vocabulary. That is awesome. We know that Gen Z, I think, is seeking more mental health treatment than any other generation, which is, I think, amazing. And that's partly because we have all this vocabulary around it. What I think can be dangerous is when, especially we're giving ourselves or other people labels that they shouldn't have. I think we're seeing a huge overcorrection in mental health awareness, right? Before we were, were maybe coming from a generation, you and I were, maybe we were parented in a way that wasn't as empathetic or knowledgeable. They didn't have the tools or even right the language, the vocabulary about mental health and, and how to parent in a way that was inclusive of that. But we have now, I think the pendulum has swung so far to the other side that we're overdoing it. I saw a meme the other day that I thought was so funny. It said, how does it feel to know that somewhere right now, the worst person you know is being told by a therapist to forgive themselves? (laughs) And of course, like we're all offered forgiveness. But the point is like, are we in some ways, like all of us losing real world accountability are we exchanging the actual certified practice of therapy for a 15-second TikTok? That, I think, is the main concern for me. With memes and infographics, for as valuable as I find them, and I've actually found a ton of great little tidbits, there's just no way for them to go far enough for them to give you all of the information that you need with it. But I also think that's another thing you're saying, like the worst person you know is hearing that, you know, they should forgive themselves or like they're, you know, they're not in the wrong. That's a whole other thing because there are bad therapists. I've had bad therapy experiences. So that's a whole other thing. But there's also a ton of bad information online and we're all consuming that too. And it's hard to necessarily know how to filter what's good and what's not. Yeah, I think it takes being intentional. So I don't know that we're trying to have all the answers here, but hey, as you listen to this episode, I think you'll get more information from somebody who's super knowledgeable. But I do think we should all just be more responsible around the therapy language that we're using, especially as it relates to labeling ourselves or others with something that really should come from a mental health diagnosis. But hey, it's a safe space to have conversations like this. I am so excited for you to meet Kobe Campbell. She and I will have a rich conversation on the topic of mental health and TikTok. I had a lot of you reach out to me over the summer and say you wanted more mental health episodes. And of course, I listened to you. I listened to you. You are my boss. (laughs) Here is my conversation with award-winning licensed trauma therapist and best-selling author Kobe Campbell. I am so excited to be talking to you, Kobe, and I did some digging in this one. So Threads, I actually really am enjoying Threads, first of all. Me too. Do you like Threads? Yeah. Do you have a lot of followers on there already? I actually don't. I feel like I, like, comparable to my Instagram, I have like a tenth of the followers, but 
I am really enjoying, it's like Twitter minus the hostility. Yes. I have like no followers on there. And I think I've never been happier because I'm not having to overthink yeah. anything that I'm saying. It's like the beginning of when I first had social media. So yes. I'm really like that. Okay. So I want to read to people what you put out on threads that just choked me a little bit. I had a moment. <laughs> I screenshot it. I sent it to my best friend. I sent it to my husband. Okay. This is what she says. An unexpected sign that you are on the right track in your healing journey is experiencing burnout. That's because the life that you've built through the perspective and biological state of a traumatized person isn't sustainable for someone who is healing. Burnout is a reminder that you are identifying less and less with the views and values of the version of yourself that was most wounded. Burnout is also an invitation for you to build again and create a life that reflects your new values and perspective. Okay. As a like natural Enneagram three who has always tried to do more and more and more and more, and I'm, I'm healing from that. Yeah. (laughs) This really spoke to me. Unpack this for us a little bit. Are you saying that burnout could also be a positive thing? Yes. I actually really enjoy burnout. Not because I enjoy like the feelings. <laughs> I do. I really do. And it's not because like, oh my gosh, I enjoy just how great this feels. But like <laughs> burnout is a reminder that like your body, your mind, body, spirit literally cannot keep living the way that you have built your life. You know, mm. that like this is just not sustainable. We are, you know, shutting down. Like in the therapy world, we would call it dorsal vagal shutdown. Like your body is in a place where it's like, we can't do this. This ain't right for us. We're Mm -hmm. shutting down, you know? And I think for a lot of us, we think that healing is going to give us more capacity for the things that we've been doing, but really (laughs) healing is giving us less capacity for the chaos that we've allowed ourselves to exist in. Wow. So something I've been saying is... I don't know in my own life, is this, like, I just don't, I don't care anymore. And I've been trying to ascertain for myself, is this like, is this mean I'm quitting or am I in a healthier place? Like, I want to write a book and do the best that I can do Yeah, and let that be enough and not make myself sick over how many people bought it. I want to create content and let it be enough and know that I did it out of like integrity and sincerity. And it doesn't really matter if it was for five people or 5,000. Yep. You're saying that that is coming from a healthy place, not like I've quit. Because sometimes yeah. it feels like, did I quit? Yeah. And you know, even if you did quit, what's wrong with quitting? Mm. If it's something you no longer have the emotional, mental, psychological value or energy for, what's wrong with releasing that, you know? And I think that when we start noticing like the mental judgments and then meeting them with curiosity, we end up in a space where we start to shift our values. Like that's what it sounds like to me is like my values are shifting because I am changing. You know, if I am changing, it's kind of like when you think about like climate on a big scale, like two degrees in my house, I might be able to feel that. But two degrees on a climate level, like the ice polar caps are melting. 
right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are making these two-degree shifts in our lives in these really big areas, and we're getting kind of shocked at how much that two degrees has shifted everything else in our lives. Um, And it's okay for things to shift. I, I will also say this. I love burnout because burnout gives me the opportunity to actually discern what I can do and still have time for myself. Because now when I am burnt out, I am doing the least amount of work that is still impactful. Mm. And I'm because I'm at the bottom of my capacity, I'm building a life at the bottom of my capacity. What if we built lives at the bottom of our capacity and lived at that same capacity? Like, what if I did this much when I'm burnt out and when I have this much energy, I still do this much because that <laughs> the difference between here and there is for me to enjoy life. Mm. You know, I'm still stuck on you saying, what's wrong with quitting? Oh, <laughs> sorry. I moved on quick from that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, that is a huge yeah. mental shift. I think from the messages that we get from society, oh, yeah. I mean, they uh, culture would tell us everything is wrong with quitting. Yeah. Can you can you just unpack that a little bit for me and for yes. the person listening who is on feeling like, but if I quit, it means I failed. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah. And I think asking ourselves, failed at what? Because we might fail at meeting other people's standards. That may be true. We might fail at seeing something all the way through. That may be true. But what happens when we don't want to? Because a lot of us have stuck at and seen through things that had no reward for us at the end. Hmm. You know, and we have to ask ourselves, am I okay with that? Am I okay with wasting the non-renewable resource of time? Wow. To make other people happy, to appear a certain way. You know, I think that many people, what I love about this generation, I think we're shifting into um, building lives that are good to us instead of lives that look good. Mm. So I have friends, this is true, who are leaving six-figure jobs if it doesn't give them time to actually live their lives. Yeah. And that I do think that that's unique of millennials. I mean, we're seeing kind of for Gen Z right now that they're like kind of swinging back to boomers. So I'm curious yeah. how, are you a millennial? I'm just assuming. I'm a know? millennial. Uh-huh. Okay. I shouldn't have made that assumption. I'm a millennial. <laughs> okay. And so I guess Gen Z is watching us like drowning in student loan debt and all yeah. these things. And they're like, not going to be me. Yeah. So I'm going to work really hard and make as much money as I can. They're kind yeah. of having more of that boomer mentality. Yep. That's interesting. So you said in a viral TikTok, Healing is not about becoming the best version of ourselves, but about letting the worst version of yourself be loved. Yeah. That is, again, kind of this radical shift that I've not heard from anybody else. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I see a lot of clients who come in and they try to harm themselves into healing. Hmm. They like try to beat themselves into being better. And they don't often see without the intervention of someone else's perspective that the means at which they're trying to make themselves better directly mirrors the ways in which they're traumatized. Hmm. Like you were deeply hurt because 
you experienced abandonment as a child, right? Or neglect as a child. Why do you think starving yourself to do well at work is going to help you heal? Like you are just replaying that abandonment and that neglect towards yourself, Mm. right? And like when we look back at ourselves, do we look back with honesty, with gratitude, with empathy, or do we look back with hate and disdain, Mm. right? And I think a lot of us have been taught to look back at the past versions of ourselves and hate them and think that that hate is going to fuel us into love. That's just not how it works, right? Developing empathy for every version of ourselves that suffered, that made mistakes, that, you know, thought too highly of themselves or thought too lowly of themselves. Looking at every version of ourselves and saying, like, that person deserved love and that person made mistakes, but that person, you know, is not someone I'm going to choose to hate. That, when we're fueled by love, we get to experience peace. And I think that's why a lot of people, like, you know, are doing all the, like, the psychology and the mental health and the therapy and all the things. And it's like, you are trying to change because you hate yourself, not because you love yourself. Wow. How do we learn to love ourselves? If that is something that's not been modeled for us, where does a listener right now who maybe doesn't even, like, doesn't even know the difference between harming to heal and loving myself towards healing... How do I recognize those destructive patterns in myself? Where does that start? Wow. Okay. That was a very loaded question. I would say radical honesty sounds so incredibly simple, but truly is so difficult. And I would define radical honesty as a commitment to reality without defense or excuse. (laughs) You know, like it's a commitment, all mental health healing, a good friend Jim Crest says, is all mental health healing is a radical commitment to reality. What is happening? Not what should have happened, not what I planned on happening, what I intended, what did happen, right? And turning that towards ourself, what did I do? Who am I? What are the perspectives I have of myself? Instead of, I feel sad, but like, I shouldn't feel sad because I grew up in a really good family. No one put their hands on me. I had a roof over my head. You know, like we love to like glimpse at the truth and then like build a wall around it with like these defenses or these excuses Mm. of why what we do feel isn't really valid or shouldn't be acknowledged or shouldn't be. But being able to say like, I'm just going to look at the truth. I'm just going to look at the truth. Like being able to like sit in front of someone, a trusted person, hopefully a therapist, and say, yeah, there are times where I flat out lied because I just didn't feel like I was good enough, right? Instead of, I lied because I didn't think I was good enough. And so, like, if they hadn't made me feel this way, I would have never had to lie in the first place. But just, like, the truth. Yeah, I have absolutely lied before. And that was not okay. And I lied because I didn't feel good enough. And I shouldn't have. Right. And saying, like, I deserve to feel like I belong. And so what are the things I need to do to be in an environment or create an environment where I feel like I belong? Right. Yeah. I have a question for you because Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard some of this. There's a lot of criticism about TikTok mental health, TikTok Christianity, too. How do we manage 
that tension of, okay, like I have to create content that is short enough sound bites, right? But also I have a responsibility to lead people on a path toward greater growth. How do we manage that tension of, of the way social media is designed, the way the algorithm works and actually hoping people go further than just a TikTok feed. For sure. Defining the goal, I think. And Mm. I don't just mean like, oh, like the goal is to get a certain amount of followers or the goal is that someone reads this and thinks this. But, you know, I know for me, my goal is to invite people into presence with themselves and presence with the Lord and presence with their community. Right? So, um, that means I need to use the methods that reach people, which are small sound bites, but I need to make sure that the message that I'm sending through the method is reaching the goal, right? Mm. So like when you said, I sent this to my best friend and my husband, yes. that tells me that that reached the goal, right? So that is why a lot of my content, you will rarely hear me give a solution, My goal is not to give you solutions. My goal is not to say this is a quick step to do this or that, though that might be sprinkled in there. My goal is to get you to think and to converse with the people who are around you, to challenge your own internal perspectives, and to build presence. Why? Because I know in this work, the core of all healing is rooted in presence, There is no radical acceptance without the presence with yourself that allows you to reflect. There is no trusting someone else's direction, critique without presence that builds trust, right? And so I tried to build content that helps people build presence with themselves and with other people through um, inserting information that makes them think and then makes them talk, Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who do that really well on social media. And so that's not something that I feel like I am the only person out here doing. But I think that a lot of people think that just because the means to getting the information has to be quick, that the end goal of what they're communicating has to be quick, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you'll see a lot of like, here is how. You change your entire life and get close to Jesus in one step. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it just doesn't fit the nuance of life, right? And I think that we're doing really well with disseminating the information. But the part of the brain that allows us to absorb new information and the part of the brain that helps us actually implement new information are two different areas, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us are getting full off of information and then we're getting overwhelmed because that information is not being worked out in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to work it out in our lives. We don't know how to take it and contextualize it, right? Um, And that's why people should go to therapy. I'm glad you got the information from TikTok. It may or may not be accurate, but if it is accurate, (laughs) you'll find out (laughs) when you come to therapy. And now let's figure out how to employ these principles based on your personal lived experience and your personal trauma. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, 
World Relief's monthly giving community. You partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. Do you have any reservations about social media use and mental health? I mean, is there any dark side or anything that you say, hey, we should be wary of this? You know what I'm saying? Like when people are using maybe vocabulary, not even fully understanding what it means. I mean, everybody's a gaslighter. Everybody's toxic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What do we do with that, with the overuse? But, but it's also a good thing because people are having vocabulary, which is a good thing, right? Vocabulary yeah. is good. I don't know. What do we do yeah. with all of that? Yeah, I, I used to be really worried, and this is going to sound maybe terrible, but I used to be really worried, and then I became less worried when I realized that people are going to take this information into real life and it's not going to work. Hmm. If it's not valid, it's just not going to work, right? And so... um, if there are reservations that I do have, which I kind of do have, it's that we have made the expertise of understanding psychology, neurobiology, uh, sociology, mm. we've made it all seem really easy. And we've made it seem like it's something that you can simply just look up to find a simple definition. But there is a lot of art that goes into the science of mental health. There's a lot of contextualization. There's a lot of understanding. And these therapists that are sharing sound yes. bites are much more skilled than social media will allow them to show. And so, you know, there are some people I've had to like have hard conversations with like, hey, I love you, but just because you learn these words yeah. does not mean you have the license, the legal license or, um, you know, the skill to really walk other people through it because you don't understand the gamut of, the experience of trauma and you don't have the training and, and you don't understand the dangers. I think a lot of people don't understand the dangers of giving Mm. people too much information too quickly. Right. That's a real thing in the therapy space. Like I may know that someone's experienced childhood sexual abuse based on the symptoms that they're presenting to me, but if they don't have the emotional resource to continue living their life, acknowledging that reality, Mm. then I don't bring that up to them yet. We build trust, right? We In trauma work, we call this resourcing. I give them resource to deal with the hard things. But I think sometimes social media can make us think that this is just information. So we're giving people the hard things, but they don't have the resource wow. to actually deal with or process the hard things. So yeah, I think that things are going to swing back around and people are going to start coming back specifically to professionals who are trained in this. Like, you know, and I will also say this. The amount of following someone has online is not directly reflective of their level of expertise in the field. Yeah. Right. The people that I am learning from, some of them don't even have social medias and they are literally geniuses. Yeah. You know, like the people who are my mentors, the people I'm learning from, the people who have taught me what I know, like 
people consider me an expert in this space, but there are experts for the experts, right? And you don't see the expert to the expert. And so I like to remind people like, I'm learning from someone else who probably has 200 followers online. And just because they have 200 followers online does not mean their expertise is not valid. I love that. I love that. And and you have a book. Yes. Why am I like this? It's your latest book. What made you write this book and what do you hope a reader gets out of it? Yes. So um, I wrote this book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith. And I wrote this book because I realized, especially for Christians, I don't only serve Christians in my practice, but a lot of them either have a Christian background or identify as Christians, just could not understand the very foundational basics of what trauma is and what God thinks about mm. it. They hadn't really had someone explain to them where trauma is seen in scripture. And they kind of would go into this self-deprecating cycle of believing I am the problem. Like, it's not what happened to Mm. me. It's not God. It's me. I am the problem. I'm the problem. And um, I had one client say this, and I'll never forget. She said, if I'm the problem, why can't we just get rid of the problem? Mm. Right? And I think there are a lot of Christians I was seeing who were struggling with suicidal ideation and a desire to not live anymore because they were living in this tension of something's wrong and no one in the church can explain to me how to heal from it and what it is and why it affects me this way. And so I wrote this book for, honestly, people like me who struggled with their mental health, who knew God was real because they had a deep and personal Mm. relationship with him, but at the same time felt like there is something incredibly wrong and I don't know what to do with it. And so in this, my goal was to take the first three months of like trauma therapy with me, which is really a lot of psychoeducation, resourcing, skills, explaining, storytelling, and condense it into a book. Because the truth is not everyone's going to go to therapy and therapy is not accessible to everyone. But to me, being able to get the information to people in a way that they could consume it without the vulnerability of having to share their own stories, that was really important to me because the goal was, you know, maybe you're not ready to go tell somebody, but maybe you're ready to read this book and acknowledge it within yourself that there is something that happened to you that is affecting how you show up today. What is trauma? How do we define that term that we hear so much of now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the word trauma in Greek literally translates to wound. Mm. So when I define trauma to my clients, I say trauma is any past wound that affects how you show up in the present and how you perceive the future. It's something that happened in the past, but it still affects how you show up today. And then it affects how you perceive the future. An example is maybe, you know, someone passed away when you were really young and no one explained to you what death was, right? And so in the present, you experience a lot of anxiety about losing loved ones. And so in the future, you don't really think much about connecting to people. You think much about losing people, which kind of creates this negative disposition over your life, anxiety that disturbs your sleep or impairs your relationships, affects your appetite, your concentration, right? Trauma doesn't have to be that someone has hurt us. It does like physically hurt Mm -hmm. us. It does not have to be that someone put their hands on us. The part of the brain that metabolizes physical pain is the same part of the brain that metabolizes emotional and social pain, which means our brain is processing pain, period. Mm -hmm. And so I talk a lot about that in the book because a lot of us have experienced trauma. If you went through the pandemic, you experienced trauma. When you say processing, how do we process 
wounds that we maybe don't even recognize. I mean, how many times do you meet with people that are like, oh, that's not, that's not it. Like that's not affecting me right now. I think a lot of people feel that way. I'm tough. I'm over that. I don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. So how do we process Mm -hmm. those wounds perhaps that we don't even realize we have? Yeah, I would say if we have an aversion to talking about the past and talking about how it may affect us in the present, then we may need a professional to help us do that. You know, that like processing is not just as simple as saying like, this affected me in this way, in this way, in this way, and I'm done. Processing is also a biological reality, right? Because epigenetics tells us that like the traumatic experiences that we have are literally encoded Mm. into our DNA, right? So you might have a physiological response to something, but cognitively, you're not thinking about it, right? And I even talk about that in the book, right? I talk about this young man who ends up failing out of school because, and he thinks he has test anxiety, but when they put a heart monitor on him, they ask him about various different areas of his life and his heart rate spikes when the uh, psychologist mentions his parents, Right. It is possible that there is something in your life that is being affected by a completely different thing that wow. you can't track because you don't have the expertise to track it. Wow. Right. And someone else does. Right. It makes me think of me and my husband call it referred pain. It makes me think of when I went to the doctor because I had an earache. I had a really bad earache and I could not understand what was going on. Well, my ear is in the same um, neural network as my wisdom teeth. I didn't have pain in my teeth, I had pain in my ear. But the pain in my ear was actually related to the pain in my wisdom teeth. Mm. But only a doctor who has deeply studied the neural networks of pain and where it comes from and where it can go and where it can show up could tell me that my ear pain was actually wisdom tooth pain. So then I went to a dentist and they were like, oh yeah, your wisdom teeth are really impacted. You have to get them out. So I got my wisdom teeth out and my ear stopped hurting. Right. And so mental health is not as obvious as someone hurt my feelings and now I have low self-esteem. It can be that obvious, but it can be as complex as I'm really stressed out. And I know someone who's experienced this, like a lot of stress has happened and all of a sudden I can't stand up anymore. Yeah. You know, like it can be that complex and that um, intricate. And so that is a lot of the reason why I'm like, you should see someone who specializes in the work that they do, in mental health, anxiety, depression, trauma, family trauma, like it's really important to see someone who is really taking the time to learn and be studied in this stuff because I think that what social media has done is made it seem like all you need to do is know the terms to be an expert. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. In some way, I feel like this conversation, I don't know, I, my eyes were watering as you were talking because it feels really heavy because I'm just acknowledging how many people I know myself have these wounds that we're kind of walking around with. Yeah. And it, I I don't know. I just, how do we, I guess, can you point me to hope? (laughs) What do you think, what hope does God give us for a new life. I, actually, let me let me phrase it this way. So, one of the TikToks yeah. that I watched you post talked about post traumatic growth, which yeah. made me so happy um, because my husband, who yeah. has gone through a lot of trauma, 
was studying educational psychology in graduate school and just learned about post-traumatic growth and how there's actually more people who report growth than get diagnosed with PTSD, which the vocabulary for that for him made him feel like, oh my goodness, like I'm, it's, I don't just have to be a problem, right? Like there's a full life available to me. So talk to us for people who are listening right now and are feeling like this is so heavy Mm-hmm. And I have so many wounds and I don't know, it's going to make me cry because I can just feel it for people and people I know. I don't know where to start. What does post-traumatic growth look like and how do we remind ourselves that this is possible? And then if you cannot talk to us a little bit about spirituality and how that fits in at all. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, post-traumatic growth at its core is really the idea that even when trauma tries to take something from us, it'll end up giving something to us in the end, mm. you know? And it also is a reminder that, like, you know, when the word says that, like, no weapon formed against us shall yes. prosper, it is evidence that even when a weapon is formed against us, like, it will be turned in our favor in our favor when it was planned to destroy us, you mm. know? And so my life is, is a story of post-traumatic growth. You know, my book starts out with my suicide attempt in 2013, Hmm. you know, and yet me being able to acknowledge that depth of pain is what allows me to be energized Hmm. by talking about the things that people feel are burdening. You know, when people come into my office, they're like, oh, I don't want to burden you with that. And yet I'm excited to hear that Hmm. because I know from A to B to C all the way to Z, I know where you can go. Right. And the truth is like, our pain, when we acknowledge it, can draw us deeper into relationship with ourselves, deeper into relationship with other people, deeper into relationship with God, right? And I think that post-traumatic growth is something we get access to when we're brave enough to engage in that radical honesty, Mm. right, that I talked about. When we are willing to say, this is what happened to me and I'm going to work through it, on the other side, we get to say, yeah, there is a lot of darkness in the world, but I'm not afraid of that darkness anymore. Wow. Right? And so I get to venture into other people's darkness with joy and excitement because I can't wait to see the joy and freedom they get to experience when they come out of it. And then they get to do the same thing, right? And it really turns the worst moments of our lives into resources that fuel our lives. Wow. And I think that's really powerful that like we have resilience, like we're not as easily drawn into hopelessness, right? That's one thing I've seen for post-traumatic growth is when someone's been through hell and back, it's really hard to discourage them. Hmm. They have a type of faith that like, you know, we say unshakable. Some people got that faith that's for real unshakable because everything has come to shake them and yet they're still standing, you know? And I think that even ties into where faith comes in and spirituality comes in that like, For me, getting to read the scripture through the lens of like emotional intelligence, emotional health, psychology, really shifted my perspective of God. Really shifted. I think I talk about in my book, Numbers 11, I talk about how Moses shares a suicidal ideation. Hmm. He says like, take me. If you found favor in my life, like kill me now because these people are stressing me out, right? And God never addresses a suicidal ideation God never shames him for saying he wants to die. God just says, call 70 elders to come support you. Wow. 
you know? And like, that was the very antithesis of everything I was taught. I was taught to be pulled into theological debates about whether you're going to hell or not if you kill yourself. I was, you know, told to be pulled into the idea of how ungrateful you are. And don't you know you're more than a conqueror? And how could you feel that way? And hasn't God done enough for you? But God doesn't even do that in the word. Yeah. You know, and like, for me, I was realizing God really is a resource for my journey because that's what made me want to keep getting honest and keep going and keep seeking and keep sharing and keep doing the things that I hadn't been taught to do because I was really taught that God was a judge for my journey. Mm. Am I feeling the right thing at the, the right time with the right intensity? Am I grateful enough? Am I happy enough? Am I joyful enough? Am I sad enough? Have I like There was this constant need to please God with my emotional state. And so any emotion that didn't feel pleasing to God, I felt ashamed of. Instead, the more I read the word, I was like, man, Jesus was so anxious. He was sweating blood. I think I'm allowed to just be anxious and believe God at the same time because Jesus did that, you know? And so um, when we remember that God really is a resource for our journey and not a judge of our pain, I think it draws us closer to God as we wrestle instead of making us feel like we need to push him away until we get it together. Kobe, I could not love you more. I'm going to buy your book. (laughs) And so if you guys want to join me, we can read it together. Kobe Campbell is the author of Why Am I Like This? Let's read the book. Just pause the episode right here and buy it with me and we'll go through it together. I want to ask you, Kobe, our show is called Viral Jesus. What do you think it means to be a Christian even online? I think it means to engage with the people around us and to not be afraid to be seen for who we are. Kobe Campbell is the author of Why Am I Like This? You can get this book wherever books are sold. Kobe, thank you so much. I can't, honestly, I really want you to know, I think you are doing exactly what God has called you to do. I think you are anointed for this work. I think just the world of you. You have far exceeded any thoughts that I had. And I was already very excited about this conversation, (laughs) but you have far exceeded it. You're, You're fantastic. And I just hope God continues to bless you and provide you with more and more resources to reach more and more people. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. So what can we learn from our conversation with Kobe Campbell? Number one, trauma just means wound. You are not being dramatic by admitting you have experienced trauma. In fact, it may be the first step toward radical honesty. Number two, Kobe said that part of how she navigates the tension between the oversimplification of these heavy mental health ideas that we see on social media is by remembering her goal. Why is she doing what she is doing? She reminds herself with each post that she is sharing to encourage people to be present with themselves. For her, it's not about views. It's not about likes. It's not about followers. It's about giving people the gift of presence. Number three, I loved this. Oh, I love this point. Post-traumatic growth is possible for you. Wounds can lead us to deeper connection with ourselves and with God. There is life and hope and joy still available to you despite what you have been through and how badly you've been treated. It's called post-traumatic growth.
Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a Viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love, have I told you that lately? I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.